Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Real Film Podcast with me, Corey, and Phil. Hello! <laughs> uh, today we are talking about the Oscars. Uh, as of recording, it was only a few nights ago, a couple of nights ago. Um, and it was an interesting one. Uh, I was pretty excited actually going into this because it a lot of the awards actually were pretty unpredictable but unfortunately i didn't get a chance to watch the actual ceremony i'd had very minimal sleep <laughs> uh but you did get to watch it so uh how was it how was the actual show i did it was good it, um i had very minimal sleep the next day because of it, it if you look anywhere online it said that it was going to start at midnight uk time but it didn't actually start until one i'm assuming that was the plan but um normally oscar shows uh i feel like they drag on quite a lot they just feel 10 hours long um even though they're not this was three and a half hours long and it didn't feel any longer than that it was quite um it was fun but not in the way so you know you know how usually oscars you'll i know they haven't had a host recently but they usually have a host or they have someone doing comedy bits throughout and they have like these entertainment but it's usually i'm not usually a fan of those i think they're a little bit gimmicky and just feel a bit pointless it didn't have any of that so it, it kind of had a more serious tone to it, but it was still quite upbeat. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that they had a DJ instead of an orchestra. So they had DJ the uh, Questlove. Um, he did all of the music throughout the night. There was lots of references to him. The camera went over to him a lot. And it just made the night feel a little bit more, had a little bit better pace to it. It was a little bit more fun. I think some of his music, like he would play people in and play people off. And I think some of the music choices weren't spot on. There'd be like a really, really serious tone to someone's speech. And then he played this like really fun, boppy song afterwards, <laughs> which is a little bit, I, I don't know. But I mean, for the most part, nine out of 10 times, he got it right. And it was really, really good. And it's just made it feel a little bit more lively than usual. And obviously, it's a strange one, because this is the, you know, um, everyone was social distanced, and the, it wasn't in the Dolby Theatre. It was in the train station that's just down the road, uh, which is kind of strange as well, because that's been in a lot of films. So you can kind of see bits you know, throughout in from different films and TV shows. I um, I actually like this was a bit of. I mean, there's always controversy when it comes to this show. Um, I saw a lot of like older people, people. I one in particular is Piers Morgan. So yeah, he can shut the fuck up. Though. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, but he was basically talking about how the show was ruined by people by them trying to keep it woke or something like something <sighs> stupid like that. Um. But to be honest, I mean, if the show works and they've made it work with within the rules, within the you know COVID restrictions, then you know it's great. But anyway, let's move on to the actual nominees or the uh, the winners themselves. So the show opened with best original screenplay, uh, and the one winner was Promising Young Woman. Uh, how did you feel about Prom- Promising Young Woman winning? I think this is kind of comes into the arena of. It was an expected award, I think. I think uh, Emerald Fennell had won a few screenplay awards. And I think the movie itself, you know, with the it's broken up by chapters. It's, it's a very unique way to tell its story. Uh, and it's it's got a good balance, I'd say, for the most part of, you know, dark humour 
and really uh, like social conscious message. So I, I'm okay with it winning, I guess, but I really, really wanted Minari to win, I think. Mm. Um, I don't think Promising Young Woman is you know, bona fide five stars. I think it's it's got a lot of really great parts. Um, I know we have both seen it and we both have, mm, we probably, well, we, we feel the same, but we probably have issues in different places, I guess. But to me, Min- uh, Minari was just, the entire way through, it was just flawless. Uh, and it the screenplay feels more like a, an, an examination. It feels very personal, uh, but honest at the same time. So I, I'm kind of upset that didn't win, really, but I won't complain too much. No, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'll say this now. Um, I actually think Minari is the best film that was nominated out of all of them. Uh, we'll get to other films later on. There's a tie-up between two of them, but for me, Minari, yeah. I think, takes <clears throat> it. There's something about how you say about how the sort of um, uh, the personal nature of the story and the way that it has this uh, sort of... Uh, it takes that American dream narrative, which can be overdone, but does it in such a unique way, such a relatable way. This is so much more than, you know, uh, other films like this. Well, but anyway, it's really, I mean, it's really good as well. Uh, I think every, per- maybe, I mean, the daughter is, you know, the whole family is pivotal for the story, but 100%. I think each character has their own thing. The film is very good at sh- shooting it from, all of their points of views rather than say like just Stephen Yeun's character, uh, Jacob, um, or just, uh, the young son's character. Yeah. I think, uh, that's why it feels great because it's about a family. It's not about a certain person in the family. Uh, and that's why like every scene, every emotional hit that this movie has with every single one of his characters just is perfect. Yeah, but anyway, it was Promising Young Woman that won this. And I agree with you as well. I actually think, although I think the screenplay is really good, I actually think it's the most uneven part of the film. I think Carrie Mulligan is fantastic throughout. And um, Bo Burnham's character, I think, is super interesting and really good as well. I think Emerald Fennell's direction is stronger than the screenplay. Um, I don't know. I feel feel like um, I'm not upset that it won, but as you say, there was just other things here as well. And I think Judas and the Black Messiah is another great one too. But I mean, we can talk about that stuff uh, in a bit more detail in a bit because uh, the next one was Best Adapted Screenplay. Now, this is pretty much the only film, the one, the father won this. That's pretty much the only film I didn't see, like the major one um, out of all of these. But you have, haven't you? Yeah. Um, the how do you feel, how do you feel about them winning? It yeah. deserves it. And um it, it's really not a movie like i think when i was when i was first learning about it i didn't know much about it i knew that it was about like a, a an elderly man and suffering with dementia but the way the way the movie does it is it just almost treats it as like a surreal piece of film and sends you like diverts you on all these paths and stuff and like you have no idea what's uh what's real and what's not but it's done for the purpose of like the character has no idea what's real or you know what's not. The screenplay is fantastic. It it definitely for me. I mean, it's it's in a very strong category as well. Yeah, I was um, about to say Nomadland and One Night in Miami are the other two for for me. No, One Night in Miami. I was a little bit disappointed it didn't get more nominations because I thought it was an absolutely fantastic film. I absolutely adored it. Um, uh, 
but yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't exactly say uh, <laughs> anything against the father. I actually, but... um, the dark horse for me was actually White Tiger mm. uh, because quite a few people were talking about it coming into it. Uh, you know, it's his only nomination and um, and it's a really great screenplay as well. You know, it's a really, I don't know, it's it, it's a very exciting film, but it's also got a lot of really great representation. We're experiencing a culture like at its worst and sometimes at its best. Um, so, I mean, if you haven't checked White Tiger out, it is on Netflix and it's a really fantastic movie. It may not be on par with like the best of this, you know, Oscars. But it's definitely worth it. And I honestly thought it that was in with a chance. I mean, like I said earlier, it's been it's been a pretty unpredictable year again, which has been nice. But no, I'm not going to complain about the father. It's I think, like you said about Minari earlier, if I was ranking like best picture nominees, for example, I think this would be my top three, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Now I feel like there was a couple of shoe-in ones, and I think the next two categories were pretty dead set before going into it the first one was best international feature film which another round one now not saying that the rest of the films in there weren't fantastic too i mean collective was in there too but um i feel like another round was one of those where it just hit the buttons in the right way we were lucky enough to see it at the bfi film festival last year and we loved it as well um i just think it was one of those where um it really really stood out and it was kind of like this is a very very deserved winner again it's another one that i feel like could have done with more nominations i think it deserved a few i'm surprised that mads mickelson didn't get any more attention because i thought this was a wonderful performance from him yeah i mean again it's in a really i think the problem with the oscars a little bit is i'm not saying this is every year um but i think when it comes to international feature it's usually the the international feature that seems to get the most international attention, if that makes sense. Like Thomas Vinterberg is a very well-established director internationally. You know, we know him like way back from the dogma 95 thing with Lars von Trier and the hunt got a lot of great attention. So I think this one was a pretty much always going to win, to be honest. Um, not that I have a problem with that. I think it definitely deserves to win. Um, I think Collective probably would have been potentially the next one that people would talk about. I actually really enjoyed... Uh, I'm so sorry because I can't pronounce it. It's like uh, Quo Vadis Ada, which means like, where are you Where are you walking, Ada? Or where are you going, Ada? Uh, which is about the... Um, it's about a UN translator in uh, Bosnia during the Bosnian War. And basically the Serbian army have just taken over their village and they're all going to a UN camp, and it's basically her trying to keep her family safe while also not letting stuff escalate. And it's it's a really fantastic film, and I feel like, I mean, it's really difficult to find the international features uh, before the Oscars. You know, they're, they're some of the films that come out the latest for us. Uh, but I'm really glad I did manage to catch most of them. I didn't get to see the Tunisian film, unfortunately. But no, I think... I think another round probably did deserve to win. But again, they're all movies you should watch because they're all really, really great. In terms of uh, deserving to win and then also a shoe-in to win, Daniel Kluwer won for Best Actor in Supporting Role. Yeah, I don't think there was... 
Judas was and the Black Messiah. Was there doubt he was going to win that, was there? No, I mean, they put Lakeith Stanfield in for Judas and the Black Messiah as well, which I, I had a lot of the lead up to this has been talking about how, who was the main character for Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, arguably, Lakeith Stanfield is the lead because it's his story and his sort of, um, I to say this sounds going to sound pretentious, but his emotional journey you're going on, isn't it? That's who you're following. But it raised a lot of issues for ensemble casts like this, where it's not so clear who's supporting and leading and then everyone else surrounding them. Um, I mean, Daniel Kaluuya's performance is phenomenal and I'm glad that he's got recognition now as well, because I mean, I feel like for a lot of people, Get Out was the one that really sort of put him up there and people started taking a lot more notice. Um, So it's good to see him, not too long after that. What, that was 2017, 2016? 2017. Somewhere. 2017, yeah. So it's only four years, well, it's three years, I guess, technically. Um, after that, you know, that he, he wins um, his first Oscar, which is fantastic. I just wanted to, before you say anything about Jesus the Black Messiah, I just wanted to quickly say about, um, you know, we'll talk more about Sound of Metal later, but Paul Racy got a nomination for Sound of Metal. And... Uh, I'm really glad that he got the nomination. I just feel like I haven't seen enough people talk about his performance because I thought his performance was phenomenal. Obviously, Riz Ahmed is the key component and was absolutely astounding in Sound of Metal. But I thought Paul Racy was so important and so integral to the film as well. I just I feel like he brings an authenticity to the role. And I thought every time that he was on screen, I thought he was absolutely captivating as well. Yeah, I mean, Paul Racy is really great. I, I think when, like, it's great to talk about all of these films, but I think when you come to a category, you know, the chances are everyone's going to be great. I, I still think Daniel Kaluuya rightly has been sweeping award season, and you hundred percent deserve to win. Um, I mean, again, there's been so many great films this year that it's like a little surprise wouldn't have bothered me. I don't think in this category is where I would have wanted to see this. <laughs> just because also, you know, we're both English. It's nice to see Daniel Kaluuya. I remember watching Daniel Kaluuya and Skins, you know, yeah. who doesn't? Uh, it's really nice to see. And he's such a fantastic actor as well. He's because in Get Out, he's a great leading man, but he's also very vulnerable. He's very, you know, he's the one that's, you know, in trouble in that. But in this one, He's playing someone who has a lot of gravitas, someone who has a lot of leading power, and he's so commanding every time he's in any room. And I just don't think... I do get the debate on who is the leading character. I do get that. Uh, I feel a bit sorry for Lakeith, (laughs) because I think in this category, I think Daniel Kaluuya takes it every day. Mm, Absolutely. Um, But no, I'm very happy about that win, I think. Yeah, it's well deserved. It's well deserved. Now we've got a couple more. Um, we've got a few of the sort of technical ones here. We've got best makeup and hairstyling, and then best costume, which were won by Marini's Black Bottom. Um, I think. I mean, we'll get on to it later. I'm pretty sure these were the only wins that Marini's Black Bottom had. Uh, I, I mean, I can't really think of it. I, the only the only other ones that I think were nominated that are like, I mean, Hillbilly Energy was nominated. I'm glad I didn't win anything because that film's trash. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Mank and Emma were both nominated and I think they both had a shoe in too, or not shoe in, but I think they were both, you know, could have won it too. But I mean, I'm happy Ma Rainey's Black Bottom won something because I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I think, I, I, uh, this is where I have a problem with 
voters of the academy because I saw someone. Uh, it was just some uh, some website that had interviewed some of the academy voters, and they were like, "Oh, well, what are your predictions? You know, for uh, makeup and hairstyling." And they said, "Ma Rainey's Black Bottom." Yeah, but uh, I've heard really good things about Pinocchio, but I don't think anyone's going to watch that. And it's like, if How you're can... a, if you're a voter, surely it's you should take pride in watching all of these movies. How can you not watch all the films? That's, that that's what infuriates me about it. And it's an, like with the smaller, some of the smaller categories. I think, I think that's kind of if there's one that has the most international or just starts getting a lot of in- uh, attention. They kind of just. So I bet some of them just vote for that and don't really watch the other ones. That's what annoys me. I haven't got a problem with Myrini's Black Bottom winning these awards. Makeup's great. Uh, hairstyling is fantastic. Um, did it win costume as well? Are we yeah. talking about that one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The costumes are great, but I just read that and it really annoyed me. <laughs> yeah, that is really it's irritating. Like, why don't you watch all of them and make sure you're picking the right one? Because a lot of people, yeah, is it really? Is it really that hard as someone in the film industry? They get sent them as well. Yes, they all so. get a copy of it. Oh, that's really not. I didn't. I didn't know that. That's really annoying. <laughs> anyway, yeah. let's let's move on to one that I'm really really happy with, which was Best Director Chloe Zhao winning for Nomadland. Hmm. Um, now's a good time to talk about Nomadland. I think um, I saw it quite some time after you. It took me a while to get to it, and by that point. It had won a bunch of awards and everyone was kind of like, it's going to win Best Picture. You know, Chloe Zhao's probably going to win Best Director as well. By this point, everyone was pretty convinced that those two were going to happen. So I had really, really high expectations going into it. And, you know, I had had what I, on retrospectively, it was a wonderful experience watching it because throughout it, I was thinking, wow, this is absolutely fantastic. I'm not quite sure I, I get the hype. And then it finished and I was like, no, actually, I get the hype. It was like during it, I was. It wasn't. I don't know why, but it it wasn't resonating properly. But it was. It was when it finished that it all kind of came together and it all made sense why it's got so much buzz around it. Yeah, and it was just one of those that I'm. It, I think it's so. It's really. It, I think that comes down to it being quite slow. Um, mm. It's not a bad thing. It's very patient. Probably a patient is a better word than slow. It takes its time with everything, and I think that matters so much that when you have that sort of closing message um and the sort of everything starts resonating with you a little bit more it's it comes into place that bit more um i'm super happy for chloe Zhao winning i don't obviously you didn't see the ceremony but she was losing her shit throughout mm. it you know, we'll get to a bit later um but I, I think it's funny now if you get a chance watch um harrison ford announcing the editing award because there's two things that are really great in it. One, he comes out and starts reading, uh, I think they're producer notes or audience notes, that's like, this bit doesn't make sense. I really don't like the narration over here. The music's terrible. This film gets worse and worse every screening. And then he pauses and goes, those were the notes for Blade Runner. <laughs> uh, and it's like just been berating it for a few minutes. And then he goes off and talks about editing and the importance of editing and stuff. And when he announces... Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Uh, <laughs> she, you can see her visibly going, "Oh my God, Harrison Ford said my name. Harrison Ford said my name." And she's lose the whole night. She's just losing her shit. And I tell you what, it's so nice that there's there's something I'll get to later, which 
I'm very happy with the winner, but there was two speeches or one and a half speeches, I guess, that didn't resonate with me particularly well. It's just so nice to see someone in these award ceremonies, especially as well, because we see so many veterans here, so many people that have been around ages. It's so nice to see someone that's like youthful and new to these things being like having the excitement thus watching it have you know if either of you you or i were nominated for something that would be our reaction we would be like holy shit this person's saying our name i'm winning this award that's so crazy like and Not it's me. just I wouldn't be like that <laughs> you'd be like yeah cheers harrison i'll be yeah, like harrison. literally give me the fucking award i've got somewhere to be <laughs> <laughs> um but it's just nice to see Everyone, every, obviously everyone in that room has the passion, the same passion for the industry, but it's just so nice to see someone excited about that sort of thing to that level, to the bit where they mm. literally can't contain themselves. But yeah, no, I think her direction's super strong as well. It's sort of the way that um, she sort of handles blending the documentary and scripted elements, you know, because you... The, I'm sure you could go online. I haven't done it, but I'm sure you can go online and figure out, find out which bits were not staged and which bits were scripted and sort of like that. But I kind of like not knowing. There's certain elements that you could you can tell, but I mean, like on the whole, I like not knowing which bits were scripted because that's so like part of the huge success of the film is that it all feels real. Whether you want to believe that it was all documentary or all scripted it just flows so well and i think clojure had such a challenge to make that work you know bring all the elements together and make it feel super cohe like super coherent and like that you know nothing's out of place and i think she does that just beautifully yeah <laughs> no yeah yeah she does uh like you said it's the blend of the two that makes it so important it is both realistic and cinematic it's not in part cinematic in parts realistic the whole movie is coherent as like one thing it's not just and i think that's i know we'll come on to you know the leading actress later but it's you know zao's direction does that so well and also the leading performance helps with that um i won't talk too much about it we'll, <laughs> we'll got, talk about it in a bit I've, but i've got um, about it yeah yeah uh but no i think I think out of the other nominees, is there anyone else like you thought if they'd won, you wouldn't be? I think she was always going to win. I think that's another pretty uh, predictable one of the night. But mm. is there anyone you would have been okay with winning? Lee Isaac Chung for sure. Uh, oh, for yeah, me, yeah. for me, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari or Clojure for Nomadland. Those two were like, if either of those win, I'm going to be so happy because I think they both did a beautiful job, and they both did um, something similar where they have this stunning landscape surrounding them like obviously it's very very different but stunning landscape surrounding them but they make like visually it's uh super sort of um personal it's super like close and like like nomadland does more of sort of chewing on the landscape a little bit more but it makes sense with the story and obviously you still you do get these beautiful wide shots and everything like that in minari but um so much of it is it's like there's uh, some really, really stunning, like I will talk about cinematography in a bit, but like there's super, some really, super stunning, like tracking in shots in on the characters where you've got this really, really wide landscape or, you know, when they're by the river picking the Minari or something like that. And then the camera's tracking in towards them and sort of, it's just reinforcing what the story's really about, you know, the people. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't have been upset if Emerald Fennell or Thomas Vinterberg won either for Promising Young Woman or another round. I think the only one I would have been a little bit disappointed by was Fincher for Mank. Um, but I mean, I think all of them are great films and uh, in their own right. I think they've all done a superb job of directing. It's just Minari and Nomadland, I think, were, you know, they were I think, key for me. I think there was a feeling when Mank came out that this was going to be Manx Oscar year. Yeah. Uh, just because of what it's about, who's directing it, who's starring in it, the black and white cinematography. <laughs> I'm kind of glad it's a it very, didn't. Yeah, it's a very Oscar movie. And I, no, I do like it. And there's a couple of parts to it that I absolutely love. But um, no, I'm I'm glad Fincher didn't win. As much as I love Fincher, and I think he does, he, he is an Oscar caliber director, of course. He's one of the best working today. He's still got plenty of time to, you know, make Absolutely. a movie that, and I'm sure he will. I mean, we we know the Oscars like to give directors like their year, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure Fincher will be one that gets his year. I tell you what, I was a little bit surprised that we we haven't got to it yet. But Tenet um, was hardly nominated for anything, and I was I remember saying to you when I saw it and the nominations hadn't been announced, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the year that they start giving him all his stuff, you know? Um, and I mean, I love Nolan, but I'm glad, I'm glad it didn't basically. I'm glad Mank didn't either because they, I don't get me wrong. They're both great films in their own right, but there's some far more interesting films this year. And it, it, it gave a spotlight to some stuff that otherwise wouldn't, I think have got quite as much um, sort of notoriety from this. Like, let's move on to the next one, which was uh, Best Sound, which Sound of Metal won. I feel like that's one in a normal year not as many people would have seen, and I don't know if it would have got as many nominations. And I'm so glad it did, and I'm so glad so many people have seen it, because I think Sound of Metal is one of the best films of the entire year. I think it's absolutely superb. Um the fact it won for Sound of Metal is literally no surprise and it should not be a surprise to anyone because sound is such an integral part of the film. I think one of the reasons why it won is not because of the way it actually... Um, it didn't have like these phenomenal... like like Something like a war film. Um, you know, I think 1917 won last year. That would have won because the amazing effects and, you know, the surroundness of it and like getting you like really into it. Something that I think Sound of Metal does is its absence of sound. I think that's why one of the reasons why it won because the absence of sound is so important and is so integral to, you know, everything that's going on. And it's so uh, delicately and beautifully done. The moments where it's switching between Riz Ahmed and anyone who he's talking to who has their full sound still i think the way it does that is um, superb as well i mean yeah i think this again was another one that was it really i'm really happy it won um i think the problem is when you do have such a strong year that films like sound of metal you kind of start to think that they're not going to do great near like the big end but i think like you said it's such an integral part of the movie um, and they don't just, it's not just the sound of the movie. It's, you know, for the character, it's so important as well. And the way they use sound to show how just like everything literally feels like it's been stripped away from him. Um, it's such a brilliant movie and I'm glad it won those awards cause it's a, it fully deserves it. 
Absolutely. Yeah, no, I I think I think it was absolutely one as I say, it's one of my favourites of the year and um we'll go into it more a little bit later. So, you know, the the next category, the big one was um best animated feature film. Now I know which one you would have rather won, but I'm very glad Soul won this. I'm pretty I I would have been absolutely fine with Wolf Walkers winning. The other three films I'm just glad they didn't. They're not in no way are they bad films, but you had Onward, which is one of Pixar's weakest films in quite a while, in my opinion. Over the Boon, which is pretty good. Uh, I liked it. There was elements to really like about it, but nothing special. And then Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, which, don't get me wrong, I I actually really, really like this film. I think it's absolutely hilarious, but it's not saying or doing anything as important as Wolf Walkers or Soul. So it was always going to be between these two. I think as we as we get close to the Oscars, I mean, it was between those two. And well, to be honest, by the end, it was really going to go to Soul. Never, I've heard so many people just say never bet against Pixar. If they do a never, film, never. never. If they do a film that's really good, obviously if it's Cars, it's not going to win. But if they do anything else, it's going to win. It's just, and I mean, I, it is getting a little bit like, I'm really glad Soul won because Soul is my favourite between Soul and Wolfwalkers. But Wolfwalkers would have been amazing to get because then it wouldn't have got Cartoon Saloon maybe that little bit more notice. Well, I mean, we've spoke about the two films a lot over, you know, we even did a podcast talking about Soul and I'm sure multiple times as a pair we've spoken about the fact that you prefer Soul over Wolfwalkers and I'm the opposite. Mm. Um, I'm not going to complain about Soul and it's a fantastic movie. Uh, I did think Wolf, 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 <laughs> I did think Wolfwalkers was better, mm. but, you know, it, Again, it's not it's not something I'm completely outraged. If Over the Moon had fucking won, maybe I would have been <laughs> a little bit like, "Why? What is wrong with you?" Um, no, Sean the Sheep should have won. <laughs> um, best documentary, which I think I don't know. It feels like a few days beforehand. It feels like this uh, wasn't too surprising that it won, but I still don't. My octopus teacher, basically, I'm. Uh, I've seen everything but the mole agent out of this lot now. Um, I love time. We saw that at the BFI film festival as well. Uh, Crib camp, which is also on Netflix, which is, that's a superb one. And collective is also, I don't, for my money, it was collective. Um, I don't uh, know. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I've read a few things, so it really depends what you're reading. You know, if you're on Twitter or you're reading reviews, like I loved the mole agent. Uh, I thought it was really fantastic, but then you know, like some reviews were saying, it was a bit, uh, it was a bit, it felt a bit fake and stuff like that. Um, I just loved, it, dis- despite that, I just quite loved the style of Mole Agent. I think the Collective is a really, really great documentary that just doesn't try hard for style at all. It's telling an incredibly important story. My opt- it's difficult because my octopus teacher I really liked in parts, like it, like when you're watching the octopus underwater and stuff. There's these really beautiful and amazing moments to see this octopus doing the stuff it's doing. Um, kind of feels like watching Planet Earth, but instead of just like a five minute segment on octopuses, you're watching <laughs> you know a feature film where you get to explore the creature. Um, I've got to say I didn't. I wasn't particularly wasn't overly interested in the guy's relationship with the octopus. I know that him personally, I know that he uh, 
he kind of it kind of helped him in a way, and it's nice. But I, I just thought, like as a whole package, collective was far more superior as a documentary and also the mole agent i thought was as well yeah i've seen a lot of people talking about online how the mole agent was robbed um which is a shame um but i mean i so so i was watching the coverage through sky and their sort of panelists afterwards they were talking about um how they think it won because of its lightness but also the, the way that it can still t- is talking about some serious stuff but the lightness to it and the sort of delicacy how in the year that we've had it was kind of nice to have a film that talked about some heavier stuff but wasn't like the heaviest film and it was just like fun and light and breezy at the same time um i don't necessarily agree but i mean it might be the reason it won i, I don't know it- that's see, I feel like that's what people have been saying all fucking year. Every time, like a movie comes out that's not serious, basically. When when the second Wonder Woman came out, everyone was saying, "Oh, it's so nice to have a film that you can just put on and watch during this like horrible time." It doesn't make it a good film. It's a crap. That's film, completely man. circumstantial. Yeah. And I do get where they're coming from. That it's a very personal story. That's kind of just crazy as well. So it does completely take you out of everything that's happening, but the you know the the mole agent and the collective have got like they're not to do with COVID or anything like that. So I can watch them, and also it takes me out of the world we're currently living in. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a bullshit answer, to be honest. I totally and that's, agree. And that's nothing against my Oxford teacher. I think it's a great doc, and it's more anger coming from like films of the past year or so that you know people are just basically using that as an excuse to say it's a good film. And that pisses me off. But mm. yeah, I mean, I'm not going to... Again, it's another one. It's, I'm not overly passionate about one particular documentary. I thought The Mole Agent was pre- probably my favourite. Um, but Mike, a shame it's the one I seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Mole Agent... I mean, my favourite documentary is still the, the Painter and the Thief, and that wasn't mm. even nominated. So I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to harp on I, about these too much. So. I was really disappointed that the reason I jumped wasn't because yeah, me of the too. way that it, me it's too. separate. It's so different from from everything else because it's so immersive. But yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, if you want to listen to us talk about Painter and the Thief or Reason I Jump, you can go and check out our BFI podcast, which was the first podcast that we've recorded. So the audio is not quite. Yeah, it's not quite this. <laughs> we don't sound as about. sexy. No, we don't. Unfortunately. So I mentioned Tenet earlier. The only Oscar that it won, and I think it's the only one it was nominated for i don't know we'll see in a bit i'm pretty sure it was definitely the only one it won which was best visual effects which just makes sense like the other films were love and monsters midnight sky mulan and the one and only ivan i haven't seen the one and only ivan i mean not that i have anything well it's about to say not have anything against the other films i have a lot against mulan because it's fucking shit but yeah. <laughs> i'm very glad tenant won because it's not just i i think this award is such a good one for not just doing stuff that's visually great that looks visually great but visually clever do you know what i mean like the way mm-hmm. tenet uses this effects is really really clever and that's something that nolan always does and i think that's something that should always be rewarded like you can have transformers and have big robots fighting each other and it might be in 8k fucking 600 million frames per second and look phenomenal but is it as good as the stuff that happens in tenet you know it, no, I mean, <laughs> it's just no. big robot smashing stuff. It doesn't actually mean anything and it doesn't like 
any studio can do that now with enough money, whereas Tenet takes clever filmmaking to do. So I'm glad that they did that. Not that I think Tenet is the best film ever, but I'm glad that it won for for at least that, you know? Yeah, I mean, the best part of Tenet is, like, I do think there's, like, in terms of narratively, I think it's in the, like, not in, like, the clever scientific details it's more in just like the human aspects is where i had the problem so yeah i'm really glad it did win because nolan's a really great and intelligent director when it comes to stuff like this and you're right i mean i watched love and monsters the other day don't know why <laughs> actually kind of enjoyed it in a you know in a very it's all right soft dumb kind of way <laughs> yeah. um it's kind of sweet but i don't really understand other than like i don't think it's particularly impressive really no, you don't go say, "Wow, that giant frog!" Oh, my God. I thought <laughs> I thought it was real for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like one of the reasons why stuff like that was nominated was because uh, because of the postponing of all the big films. We had no Marvel films. We had no um, whatever the equivalent of a Transformer film would have been this year. You know, the big blockbusters. That's where normally they get nominated for that sort of good stuff, and that stuff all got pushed to next year. So I feel like they had to sort of fill out the category. I'm sure there would would have been better nominees than that, but I can't. I don't think any off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's better nominees than some of those out there. But anyway, we're going to move on to best actress in a supporting role. Now I'm probably going to get her pronunciation of the name wrong here. Yoon Young Jung for Minari. Yoon Jung. Yu Jung, right? It. What was really funny? I know. I don't know if you've seen her speech. There's two things she did that were hilarious to me. One, she said, uh, "It was nice to finally meet you, Brad Pitt," which everyone <laughs> took at first as, "Oh, you know, she's having." A... What she actually meant by that is his production company was one of those involved in making oh, right. yeah. Minari, and she did. No one met him on set. He wasn't involved with with that. And it was like, it, "You're quite an integral part to that production company." Yeah, maybe you should have shown up i don't know I, I could be slating him but she she made that funny thing she also correct corrected the pronunciation of her name he right. pronounced it wrong and she corrected she had a great speech she was just having fun she did not she was just like <laughs> this crazy old lady up there having a good time she was just happy to be there um she had it had um uh sort of uh was it was it last year that olivia Colman won or the year before year before wasn't it yeah. Uh, the favorite yeah, yeah. yeah it had sort of echoes of that speech where she was just a little bit didn't think she was going to win so she had nothing prepared so she just sort of ad-libbed it all um because i feel like going into it quite a lot of people thought glenn close was going to win for hillbilly elegy uh because that was her eighth nomination without a win something like that it's a lot of nominations i think no as she not as she matched I'm sure Peter O'Toole or something holds a yeah. record and she like it, matched it or beat it basically. Yeah, yeah, I think it's matched it now. Um, which is incredible considering how good Glenn Close is as an actress. Yeah. But my God, am I glad she didn't win because f- not that she's particularly awful in Hillbilly Elegy, but she is trying to get that Oscar now, isn't she? That's the and whole, that, that's the whole problem with the film, isn't it? I mean, the fact it was nominated for Best Makeup when really what she's like they've given other than glenn close's like you know fake teeth and overall hillbilly look i mean the movie doesn't i don't know it just the whole thing feels very like a very bait film doesn't it yeah um and glenn close is just far too good to have that as her winning film yeah and 
I mean, coming up to this race, I mean, the big one, the one that's so unpredictable, I think, uh, was Best Actress. But I think Best Supporting Actress, there was there was room, there was wiggle room a lot. There was a lot of wiggle room for yeah. anyone you... to win, really. I had a lot of buzz around Maria Baklova for for a subsequent movie film. And do you know what? I Not that I think... She, I'm glad that um, uh, Yu Yu Jung... I'm going to keep getting her name wrong. Yeah. I'm glad she won for Minari because she's fantastic in it. And she has quite an interesting performance to make. You know, spoiler alert. <laughs> she has her sort of grandmother side, which is she's not really a grandmother or so the son says and all this then she has that stroke and her performance becomes so different. And that's obviously quite an integral part of the film is how it changes her as a person. And I think the way she balances those sort of almost two different performances is fantastic. Um, And she brings so much life to it as well. It's simple things like when she's watching wrestling and she's like, he's punching him again. He's punching him again. He's going to kill him. He's going to kill him. And it's things like, you know, she just, she just brings this life to the character that I think, um, uh, either either less devoted or lesser actors wouldn't be able to match, you know. Um, yeah, she just. I think uh, she definitely effort. deserves it. Uh, oh yeah. Like we were saying about, I, I actually was thinking the other day about um, is it Maria Bakalova. Mm. Uh, I I think what she's doing is, if she'd won, I think I actually wouldn't have minded. I think what she does in that film as an actress is a lot harder than a lot of actresses could do because it's not it's not about like you know she's also she's got to be convincing obviously but it's it's the risks that someone like Sasha Baron Cohen can take as Borat it's his style that she's able to do like so well and like put as a human being put herself at risk in that movie yeah, yeah. I think and still be hilarious as well yeah, the I way think... she keeps up with him is so phenomenal. Like, ha- but I, I think one of the reasons why we don't see too many stuff like this anymore, this sort of prank comedy where you're like pretending to be a character or doing this sort of stuff, there, I think one of the reasons why you don't see it anymore is because um, it's hard to do it and either make a point or do something that's unique and different. And I feel like both the Borat films, although... You, I mean, you could argue about whether or not it's just a silly film or not. I feel like they're both trying to say something. They're trying to say something a little bit different. Um, And I feel like that's where Sacha Baron Cohen is a step up from anyone else who does something like this and where Maria Bakalova, you know, keeps up with him is that they're doing something that's saying something different, but also really funny at the same time. I think it's a really, really interesting balance that they have to make. Um, Yeah, and I think she was superb in it too. I thought she was great. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, 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 I'll try not to go off a tangent about Borat. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, the reason that is like these two films are the pinnacle of this genre is because they're dumb, kind of, they have that prank style to them, but, you know, they're kind of exposes in a way about American people. And the reason the second one was so not, I, I don't think it's fantastic. I think in some parts it's a bit, yeah. Yeah. But um, you know, it comes at a time when American America is like one of a it's, a, it's such a low at the moment politically mm. and socially. So I think movies like Borat are important because of the message. And sorry, just to go on a tangent about that, but no, yeah, Maria Bakalova to keep up with like such a seasoned veteran as Sasha Baron Cohen is, you know, fantastic. Um, I also just wanted to briefly mention. 
Amanda Seyfried, because yeah. like I said earlier about Mank, there's a couple of things I love about it, and she was one of them. If she'd won, I don't think she was ever going to win. I don't think there was any debate about that. But if she'd won, I probably would have been pretty happy. And I think Olivia Colman in The Father is great. It's really Anthony Hopkins' movie, but she is a very important part of it too, and she's she's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. While we're talking about Mank, actually, we'll go on to the two awards that Mank won back-to-back. Now, I remember... I, I kept an eye on Twitter throughout the night and I saw a few people after it won its two awards, whether or not they were like, oh, is this where Manx starts to clear up? Is this where it's going to start winning all the big stuff? I'm glad it only won two, uh, just because everything else is better, in my opinion, that won against it. But first one it won for was Best Production Design, which at first I was a little bit like, oh, I mean, I kind of would have liked something like Tenet and then Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, something like that. I think they would have been really great but then when i thought about it i was i know actually there's a lot in mank that i think is really really interesting like it, it, the 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 production design is what may is one of the reasons why the what, what that gets you immersed in the world right it's not just dialogue and music and the characters you the world has to look believable too you know it has to look like 30s and 40s yeah. and and i think it does it like no, it's one of those that it's one of those awards that like or the aspects of filmmaking that goes unnoticed when done right. Sometimes you can be like, wow, that set was incredible. But at the same time, you can watch a film and not even think twice about the set and the locations and stuff like that. And I think that's the case with Mank. You're not thinking twice about it, which in itself I think is commendable because of it basically being a period piece. Hmm. I think I'm okay with the production design win. Uh, like you said, it's a very like the less you notice it, the better it's doing, in a way. Um, and I feel like yeah, Myrony's Black Bottom is great, but it is pretty much you know two locations as great as they are yeah. and as authentic as they feel. Mank is covering a lot of distance in its movies, in its movie. Sorry, um, so I'm okay with that win. Again, I, it's not. It's, it's the not... next one I wasn't that okay with. It we mm. won for best cinematography. Now I'm really, really glad. I can't remember the name of the cinematographer. I'll look it up in a second. But um I'm glad he won because this is the I believe this is either the first or one of the very first feature films he's ever done. So what he actually did was he was a gaffer or something like that on Gone Girl for Fincher. Right. And it was one of those where he got involved with the right people and then he became an assistant camera on maybe another film, and then he was a cameraman on Mind Hunter, something like that. I can't remember the exact path, but essentially he did some stuff with with Fincher, and then Fincher was like, "Yeah, cool, I want you for Mank." And I think that's great that a guy who's super early on in his feature career, you know, as a cinematographer, winning is awesome, and you could see it in his face the pure joy of winning. But there are better films in this category, specifically Nomadland, Judas, and the Black Messiah. I think were both shot considerably better not that mank was shot badly at all mank shot fantastically but i think judas and the black messiah and nomadland have cinematography that is not just beautiful but is also emotionally sort of relevant to everything that's happening as well do you know what i mean like especially judas and the black messiah has this really fantastic way of um especially like during fred Hampton's speeches and stuff like that of making it about him and the people and i think i think there's so much more going on I shouldn't dwell on this too much, but there's so much more going on in something like Judas and the Black Messiah other than let's just make this look cool that I think Mank misses out on a little bit. 
I don't. I think it's harsh to say it's considerably better. Because I, I, the one thing I, I like, I agree. I think Nomadland and Judas and the Black Messiah are probably better. But I think Mank starts to get hate instantly because it's black and white for a start. <laughs> I think everyone thinks that that's complete Oscar bait. Um, but I imagine it's still bloody fucking difficult to make a film yeah. in black and white because there's things you have to take into account. And when you say about like the cinematography in the other films having a bit more like uh, of an emotional importance i don't know if when you watch mank is there really like that many scenes that demand like emotion no, no it, well, that's not what, emotion that's what I mean. but yeah. like that's what i mean like like it doesn't it but, doesn't require but the same but then emotion you but... say you say about like style as well mm. mank's trying to be more stylish as well yeah definitely yeah and so I, mean, just... I i think it's i i completely i do agree with you I just think it's harsh to say that they're considerably better. Well, I, th- I think that just comes down to the fact of what the film demands from it. Do you know what I mean? The, the Judas and the Black Messiah and No Man Land demanded that sort of, that uh, that little bit more level than Mank mm. does, in my opinion. But technically, as you were saying about the black and white, I mean, I, I sent you the um, the Twitter thread that Netflix released of the behind the scenes stuff because they actually shot Mank in colour or they either shot it in colour or had loads of behind the scenes stuff in colour. But anyway, there's colour stuff of Mank about how they chose basically how they chose to do the color to make it look a certain shade and it was really really interesting and one of my favorite shots was um I don't know who it is but there's someone's arm that's taken in front of a camera that was obviously just pre-production stuff on the different shades of lipstick because it's if you're if you're making a film in color it's you could just go okay well we want this shade of red in if you're shooting a film in black and white you can't just choose that shade of red because it's gonna be a shade of gray essentially yeah it's like so you, how so you, you have know, to scorsese used the chocolate pudding as blood in raging bull yeah exactly you know, it's yeah it's the same thing isn't it yeah do you know what? yeah it's exactly yeah. the same that you have you have to think differently and i think that is so commendable um as well no i, I, I i'm not hating on mank at all i just i i would have preferred another film to win that award i still think it was great but i would have preferred another film to win yeah that award. Uh, sorry i was like i do agree with you i still i actually think nomadland probably should have won mm. but um i think when you just said considerably better I was, <laughs> it felt a bit harsh you know it's, yeah. it's still great cinematography and like again the fact it won doesn't like it, I say anger me. I don't really get angry about <laughs> these awards very often. Is no, no. Like in the year, in the like, however many years we've been watching them now, there's only like a select few that have made me like really angry. Most of the time, so. I think it's disappointment, isn't it? Because you wanted yeah. something else to win. Most of the time, if something wins, it's still not a bad I think, winner. Do you know what I, I mean? I think in the past few years, the biggest one has been Green Book beating Roma. Let's yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, but, I. I mean, I know a lot of people have hated on Green Book too. I don't particularly. I I think Green Book is perfectly passable. It's perfectly yeah, it, fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's not like something like Crash winning in what two thousand and four. I think it won. In, I think it won in two thousand and six. But technically, Did it? yeah, it was released in two thousand four, but it wasn't released like in cinema. Like you know, in like oh, they said, like in LA, like yeah. those cinemas. Wasn't released until 2005, so that kind of made it eligible for 2006, basically. Well, that's not a very good film, and that one best picture, so that one you can get angry about, you know. Yeah, definitely. Or uh, Shakespeare in Love beating uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, Uh, don't even. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, let's move on before we get angry. So we had best film editing, which for me, obviously, this is being an editor. This is the one that I always sort of 
watched the closest. Sound of Metal won this, and I was so happy that it won. I didn't think it was going to win. Um, I thought something like Nomadland. Well, obviously, I hadn't seen The Father, but I, I don't know. I felt like something. I, I feel like it, I don't know. I, I personally love the editing in Sound of Metal. I think it's so delicate. It's so this kind of film doesn't often win. Uh, best editing because it's usually the one that has the flashiest editing like obviously Mad Max Fury Road won a few years ago and that deservedly won because it has phenomenal action sequence editing it's normally something like that but with this I think it won because of how careful it is with each cut each time uh, the camera moves to a different person or you're moving to a different scene or something like that there feels like there's a reason to do it. I hate to, this is going to sound so, I've said this a few times about like sort of the emotionality of doing something, but I, I feel like every cut feels like it has the right timing of emotion behind it, especially in su- such a simple sequence, like when Rizal Men's character goes to Paul Racy and asks him to borrow some money to buy the trailer back. That scene is such a beautifully shot, conversation between two people that's so perfectly edited as well it's the kind of thing where you could just do shot reverse shot and cut between them and just forget about it but it's one of those where so many things are working for that scene to you know resonate with you and i think the editing is one of those i think uh, like you said that usually the flashy film gets it i honestly thought maybe i mean trial of the chicago seven really i think by the time the oscars had come around everyone was kind of like i mean it's not going to win anything so mm-hmm. uh i think maybe there was an argument for sorkin maybe coming in for a screenplay just because it's sorkin but yeah. um obviously you, you can you know we know what sorkin films are like very zippy with dialogue and he uses the editing to you know amplify that so i think i thought maybe that one could um the next one was best original score which had one of the own, maybe the only to five bloods nomination, uh, which is a shame. But um... yeah, because I liked the five bloods. I know it was it's not the best film that he's done, but uh, I mean, it's I still it was really, really good. good. Yeah, it's still really yeah, good. I thought Delroy Lindo. I mean, it's a tough. It's tough because the five nominees for best actor are all fantastic. So yeah, I think people there's no pleasing people in such a good year is there i mean you could nominate five fantastic performances and someone's going to get annoyed about someone who's been left out <laughs> yeah. it always happens doesn't it you can't really uh help that but no i'm glad it was it did get a nomination i thought maybe it'd get a bit more but yeah well i mean soul won which um i i don't mind soul winning at all i think i think uh the music is really important in soul but i feel like the music that's important wouldn't be classed as score I don't know. So I, that's where I don't know what class is technically a score, but it's the moments when um, Jamie Foxx is playing the piano and stuff like that. And like I, the score is still fantastic. And the score's fantastic in, in most Pixar films. They are renowned for doing phenomenal scores. Um, I, I personally, I think I would have gone for N- Minari there. I know it sounds like I'm just giving Minari all the awards, but I think I probably would. No, <laughs> um, but I, I thought Minari's score was fantastic and it was doing something a little bit different. Um, it, it, it wasn't just big string pieces and big orchestras and stuff like that. It, it was much more delicate and used uh, a lot more unique instruments in a lot more sort of unique way. That being said, I'm not upset about Soul Winning. I think the score was fantastic in it. Yeah, I mean, the, 
I know uh, it's it's strange, but like the music that stands out to me the most is Nomadlands, but it's because it's a soundtrack yeah. <laughs> rather than actually being a score. Uh, you know, Ludovico Enuardi is just such a talented pianist, and it's it, it, that was it, whenever I think about this entire year, just that soundtrack. So, yeah. but in terms of score, yeah, I'm okay with Soul winning. I think music is a very important. I see what you I see where you're coming from. Like, just that the the more important music is when he's like actually playing i guess i don't know if that counts as score though (laughs) i don't know i I mean it's still good though um again i think minari and soul would definitely news of the world has a good score as well yeah yeah it's a very crowd pleasing film i think i think that that's one that snuck in at the end i think i can't remember how many nominations it got but it's got a few in there the other mentioned and I don't know. I kind of feel like it was almost like trying to please an older audience because News of the World definitely has a older older audience aimed at. Like we can watch it and be like, "That's fine. It's a perfectly entertaining film." My dad said it was the best film of the year. You know, yeah, I mean that seen... kind of sums it up, though. I think like yeah, that, my dad he's fifty seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I feel like I feel like some of those nominations were maybe for that crowd. So. So in a few weeks' time, they can be like you know nominated for X amount of Oscars. It is a good film, to be fair. I I did enjoy the film, but you can see why like people are calling it like a dad film, basically. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, I was going to skip this one, but why don't we just quickly talk about uh, best original song? Which the winner was "Fight for You," Judas and the Black Messiah. Now I heard something really interesting said the other day um, about how most of these songs are now songs that play over the uh, credits at the end and it's a shame that songs that are being featured in the films themselves aren't being nominated it's kind of like all oh, right okay do you know what i mean like so so yeah, this yeah, fight yeah. for you plays over the credits at the end yeah. it's kind of like does that really count as an original song that's included in the film because it, does, it doesn't really feel like it's a song for the film and when you hear the song i hadn't even heard the song properly by some like 23 year old isn't it um i i don't yeah maybe i I'm can't just... I can't maybe, we're just, maybe we're just too old. Her, I think her name is yeah, her. Yeah, uh, like yeah. And it's great that she won, and she was so excited. And it's it, it. I think that's great, but it was kind of like I don't know. It kind of just highlighted that there isn't really much focus on songs that are in the actual film itself that have a narrative reason for being there. And it's quite funny, you know. Eurovision got a nomination for oh, Husavik. What a, song. what a song that is! That should have won. I'm sorry. That's However, the, that's ya- the best song of the year. Ya ya ding dong. Ya ya ding dong. That's what I was about to say. Ya ya ding dong. Like I know that was never going to get nominated, but that's the catchiest song, and like probably one of my favourite songs from the whole thing. Husevik, I get it. Pronounced Husevik. You know, uh, yeah, Husevik, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and it's, the, I, uh, they were saying, you know, I was talking about earlier when I was, you know, getting angry about that interview with that Academy voter. Yeah. Apparently, uh, they were saying that when they're showed the songs as well sometimes if they just want to watch the songs on their own then mm. Husevik was accompanied by a video with it but some of the other ones weren't and right. one of the people was saying like oh they think that potentially has a chance because like people get like a visual thing with it but it's like surely if you watch the film though you're gonna just hear the song anyway yeah exactly well that, but, i think that's a um, to people won't watch all of these films well i'm team Euro, eurovision i think yeah. should have won it's the best song of all time <laughs> uh, no it's, it's a really it's a really good song actually yeah um, yeah I, I think um 
I think it's a, I, I, it, I don't think it was ever going to win just because of the type of film it is and the type of song it is because it's aiming for comedy. The Oscars never award comedy anything, really, do they? Actually, uh, to be fair, in the film, the song is actually a really great moment where they, in Iceland, they never sing in Icelandic. They always sing in English in these competitions, but yeah. she decides to just sing Icelandic and it's like the best thing in the world. Yeah. But, it's but, like it's like the first time you listen to Let It Go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean I mean that's what I mean. Like I think Let It Go did win the weird year that it came out and same thing with like Moana and stuff like that that when when Disney do musicals they do really good songs that have uh like are actually in the film. And I not that I have anything I think the song that her did for Juice and the Black Messiah is good and I haven't read the lyrics fully, so I don't know I'm I'm assuming it has uh, like the lyrics relate to the themes of the film, which is still important. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, like I, I do feel like you should, for each of these ones, like best song or editing or costume, you should be taking these things on their own merits and not the film on the whole. You know, I think a few years ago, Suicide Squad won for best costume or something like that, or best makeup and hairstyle makeup and hairstyle and whatever and i'm sure I, I think i remember thinking at the time that does actually deserve that because that aspect was really good the film on the whole is terrible but that aspect was good i do think that counts for more it's just when someone raised that i was like oh, i kind of make sense it's a little bit of a shame that more often than not it is just a song over the credits than the actual yeah but i think i mean it's been like that for like years no like i know i know that obviously when when you think like movies like la la land yeah that obviously that's gonna <laughs> that's uh that had lots of songs in the actual film but then i think to things like selma that uh it's a really i think it's about how the song just accompanies the message of the film more mm. so than it is to be in the film so i don't really have a problem with like credit scenes the one like Sometimes it doesn't work. You're like, you remember when Lion came out in like 2016? Yeah. And it yeah. just had that weird pop song at the end, which was terrible, to be honest. Um, but I think in the I, I think in the right way it does work. I think if they've if they've if they've put enough effort into the film that they would then want to release a song with it as well that is, you know, accompanying the themes, then great. Oh yeah. Um yeah. and maybe it just so happens that like this year there hasn't been that many films with like songs in the actual films. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I haven't got a pretty, like a big, any kind of problem with this award. I mean, who's of it no. again should have won, but. Whatever. <laughs> um, this is when the night took a bit of a strange turn. So there was a bit where, basically, as you know, as I mentioned earlier, the ceremony didn't really have any comedy bits or anything like that. Nothing like that until we take this break. And uh, I can't remember who it was. Um, he there, one, uh, there was a, there was one of the sort of like semi presenter type people. He was he was doing this what they called a challenge where they basically would go up to people in the audience and be like, okay, so Questlove is going to play you a song. Tell me if it was Oscar nominated, Oscar winner, or neither. And they went through three different people and played a song, and they got to Daniel Kluwer and uh, they played. Uh, debut by EU and he mm. was sat on the same table as uh, Glenn Close yeah 
and or maybe maybe they played something else for him and then they played Debat for Glenn uh, Glenn Close and then Daniel Clearer and whoever he was sat with started like and then the the, the guy who was asking the questions was like oh you're not really going to know much about this and she just went no it was a Spike Lee's film this and it was done because of this and just listed off all this like info that she just knew off the top of her head and they were like wow I can't believe you know all this stuff about Debat and she was like I love Debat and then got up and started twerking and like Daniel Kluwer was losing his shit he thought it was the best fucking thing <laughs> in the world and like any other time I would have been like yeah you know what let's take a five minute comedy break or whatever but this was like 4am at this point I'm like I don't want to see going close to working this early in the morning especially when there was three categories left and I was like come on let's just get to-. it was just a bit it was a really weird thing and it did kind of feel like it was a bit thrown in it didn't feel very organized it kind of felt like they were sorting something out behind like you know, behind the scenes and they needed a bit more time, but needed to buy a little bit more time, um, which was strange. And then obviously we'll get to how the ending was, but this whole bit was really rushed. This next three was really rushed. The next one was best picture, which is obviously very odd because best picture always goes on last, uh, which nomad land one. I don't think that surprised anyone. I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed by that. Um, Personally, I would have liked Minari um, to win, but I mean, it's one of those where it's like, oh no, Nomadland won. Wow, that fantastic film, you know, one of the best in years. Oh no, it won. Um, I wasn't disappointed, but it was a really strong category. This is one of those that I'll list off because it had some great films in there. You had The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and A Trial of the Chicago 7. I, I kind of feel like Trial of Chicago 7 is the black sheep there. Um, it's probably the weakest film in that category, but like all the other films I think are, f- are fantastic. Um, a really strong category, and it kind of just, I think it also shows how diverse the year was. That you have stuff like um, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is talking about incredibly relevant issues now. Um, I mean, Mank is very traditional Hollywood, but in the most fantastic way. And then you have like Nomadland, which is talking about an underrepresented group of people in America that no one really knows anything about, but it's also just really fantastic. Um, Sound of Metal is a really important film. Again, it's talking about um, uh, a minority of people who who we all know. We all know plenty about the deaf community but not in the way that we that we need to know um and about because a lot a lot of people look at i'm gonna go on about sound of metal again but sound of metal is it has such that it's that beautiful theme running throughout of they don't see it as a disability it's not it's not a hindrance to them it's just an aspect of their life and they live with it fine and i think there's lots of that throughout lots of these films and you know promising young woman is an incredibly relevant film I could just go through all of these and say about how important they all are, but I think it's just a really great diverse group of films that are all saying something different um, in unique and interesting ways. And yeah, I thought this was a really, really great year. Uh, Weird, as I say, weird that it was third from last, but I mean, were you happy with Nomadland winning? I'm assuming you were. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, that and Minari were my two favourite, I think. And actually, The Father actually crept up. It was the last one I watched uh, for the, all the Oscars. And I, I don't know, you know, every year when there's always a film that 
you kind of feel like they're not going to win anything, but <laughs> they're there. <laughs> it's like Trial of the Chargo 7 this year. Mm. I thought, like, if you think about, like, what's going to win in as in, in, like, a pecking order, I didn't think the father was that high up, and it wasn't until, like, the past few weeks when people started really, really, really talking about it winning a lot that I was like, and then I watched it, and I was like, wow, this is actually a seriously, like, great film. Um, that So by the time it came to the awards, that did start to creep up, thinking, oh, I'd be all right with the father if it won, actually. But, <laughs> no, I think Nomadland is still probably just my favorite if mm. that I, I, there's probably nothing in it at all between that and minari but either one could have won and i wouldn't have it's one of those Absolutely. rare occurrences where uh the film you like the most and is probably the best of the year it's a very i don't know uncontroversial win isn't it really yeah. <laughs> it's just it's, a great win you can't complain about it really there's four films in here which were nomadland minari judas the black messiah and sound of metal but i obviously haven't seen the father but i would be more than happy with any of those four winning i didn't think sound of metal had any chance i thought maybe i had rumblings of judas and the black messiah but i feel like i don't know maybe the the central sort of character might be a little bit too controversial because of the violence surrounding him and his chapter of uh, the Black Panthers, but I mean, I still would have been very. I think I thought it was an incredible film. Uh, I think Promising Young Woman would have been an interesting win, but I think it's a little bit too for that's, me. It was I a think, little bit too yeah. uneven. I think for me, that's where I would have been disappointed. Uh, I, I, I think it's. It feels like harsh to say. It feels like disappointed is a strong word because it's a good film, but. I think is like the holy grail of the night. Yeah. I just don't think Promising New Woman no. uh, was going to win really and I'm I'm glad it didn't really. I, I think for I'm me, glad it got noticed. Yeah. Uh during the night uh, Emerald Fennell, you know obviously got her Oscar which is great. Um but yeah, I think that's where I would draw the line a little bit. That's where the disappointment would start to creep in. I feel like that Mank and Trial of Chicago 7 especially Trial of Chicago 7, they would have all been a little bit disappointing for me. Definitely, just because, yeah. because uh, particularly Promising Young Women and Mank, I think they're great films and, you know, you shouldn't compare them too harshly to everything else on this list. But I just, I feel like there was more deserving winners and one of them did, uh, Nomadland. Now, let's move on to one of the most unpredictable categories of the night, which was Best Actress in a Leading Role. Um which Francis McDormand won for Nomadland. Now, just quickly before I forgot to mention about Nomadland, Nomadland winning Best Picture was quite an interesting speech because it was mostly Francis, oh, well, it was entirely Francis McDormand and Chloe Zhao, and they were very, very happy and stuff like that. No, I mean, Francis McDormand just is a nutter in, in the best way possible. She did like a wolf howl at the end of her uh, yeah. acceptance for Best Picture. There was obviously some relation to something there. And, um, I, I, that was great then she comes on for nomadland and then talks about uh i can't remember exactly what it was but it was like she puts everything into her sword her sword is her work and he loves she loves her work and off she goes and it was kind of like oh okay is that it it was like a little bit like one of those where it was so short and so you know brief that it was a little bit it just everything was a little bit rushed and i don't have any issues with Frances McDormand winning No Man Land at all. I think she's fantastic. But it was one of those where I was kind of like, Kerry Mulligan would have been a great winner too. This would That would have been her first win. And it's the same thing about like Chloe Zhao winning for Best Director and, you know, 
just her general excitement for being there. Francis McDormand just this is what I was sort of referencing earlier. Francis McDormand just didn't seem excited to win anything. And I don't I don't mean that as a knock to her or her talents for winning or anything, because it's very clear that she's not really bothered about the awards. She just wants to make the best film she can, which I think is fantastic. But it's just one of those where it's like if Kerry Mulligan or maybe Vanessa Kirby for pieces of a woman, something like that, um, if one of them had won, I think there would have been a little bit more I don't know, it would have been a uh, really cool surprise and there would have been a little bit more excitement in that category but I mean as I say I have no issue with Frances Dorman winning at all I think she's absolutely spectacular in it she's probably the most understated performance I haven't seen United States versus uh, versus Billie Holiday but I've heard Andra Day is fantastic in that I mean Viola Davis in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is phenomenal obviously it's Viola Davis you know um, but I feel like uh, Frances McDormand is so under understated, and I think she's incredibly yeah she's incredibly important. I said again, I said this in the review, is that she's so understanding of the people around her. She knows that she has a character to play, but really she just feels like she's playing herself when she's in the company of real people. She's just there to listen more than anything, um, and I think very often if other actors were put in that situation. The, I don't know. I, if, I guess other actors' instincts might to to be like to sort of start mimicking or start to be a little bit too involved. But what Frances McDormand does is she just be, feels like she's there to learn from them. She feels like, uh, you know, a character is meant to be a part of this community, and she completely nails it. And I just think it's a really nice, understated, like you said, and just tender performance. I, I do agree that I'm going to talk about like on the next award, obviously the last award, we're probably going to be talking for a while about like the sort of Oscar narrative, if that makes sense, you know. Um, I think it in a way, Francis McDormand's winning three kind of in terms of like, if you're talking about stats and records, it it puts her up there nearly with Catherine Hepburn. It's great. I think Carrie Mulligan would have been a really nice win. I think she's a really genuine person as well from what like interviews and stuff. So I can imagine, you know, it would have been really nice. And also, isn't she British? So I feel like <laughs> we would have also enjoyed that. Um, uh, maybe it wouldn't have been as funny as Olivia Coleman's uh, Still, that's still um, one of the best speeches of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but no, I think, I mean, it all started when obviously Andre Day won the Golden Globe. I think that threw it up in the air. And then, uh, Francis McDormand started winning stuff. Carrie Mulligan then started winning stuff, and then the, like the last major awards was it Viola Davis won. Mm. So that was like instant. Like nobody knows what's going to happen here. Um, it's nice. So uh, I, we don't feel that very often with the Oscars. But I'm not going to. Comp- I, I can't argue really. I think. Uh, I think Francis McDormand definitely deserves it. For sure. I, it's something like I was saying about Best Picture, about like the diversity of what each film is trying to do. I feel like obviously I can't say to Andrew Day but each of the roles that I have seen with Vanessa Kirby Viola Davis, Francis McDormand, Kerry Mulligan they're all doing something so completely different I think that's one of the reasons why um, it was like so interesting going into it, it wasn't like to go reference Viola Davis winning for Fences it wasn't like when she went because it was like there was like oh yeah well obviously she's going to win like it's just that performance it was like you just watch that and you watch any other performance and you're like well she's just better 
this year. She's just the best one this year. Because everyone is doing something so different, it was so hard to pick one. And I think this is one of those categories that literally anyone in here could have won. And I don't think anyone would have been disappointed. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, even even Vanessa Kirby in this situation, like she's so good. And like, I know Pieces of Woman didn't get as much uh, like acclaim or it didn't get like recognized as much, but she is very like, she's so important in that movie and she's fantastic. It, I mean, I, I actually do think I would recommend Pieces of Woman to everyone. It's a fucking horrible movie to watch, but uh, like, it's it really sad. But if you want to watch like genuinely one of the best performances of the year by far, just go and watch Vanessa Kirby because she's fantastic. Yeah. And probably out of the five, she's probably got like the least recognition throughout the year because it's just such a strong category. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's go on to the last one, which was best actor in a leading role, which Anthony Hopkins won for the father. Now everyone and their dog thought, Chadwick Boseman was going to win for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I, I'm convinced as well that the producers behind it thought he was going to win too, which is why we have this switch up. That's why I think Best Picture was on third because they were going to do Best Picture because pretty much everyone was, oh, well, no Madland's going to win. It's not going to be a surprise. It's not going to be a lovely moment to end on. Then Best Actress, then Best Actor because you can end the night on this fantastic tribute to this wonderful actor who's unfortunately left us too early in his life on his career best performance it was just one of those things that everything slotted into place perfectly it's his best performance it's a fantastic film um and you know that you could have had this fantastic tribute it didn't work out like that and it was super awkward like i'm anthony hopkins didn't even think he was going to win because he wasn't even there he wasn't even from what i was reading the line he wasn't even awake he had he was in wales fast kip I didn't know until he woke up in the morning when, and that's when he recorded this thing. And I mean, he talks about how shocked he was, um, which is, I mean, it's put a little bit of a downer on the night. It, when you look online on Twitter and things like that, there's a very, very divisive audience to this, to the people that say Chadwick Boseman should have won or Riz Ahmed should have won or Stephen Young or whatever. I haven't seen that many people talk about Gary Oldman winning, which I'm fine with. And then those people that are saying, no, they shouldn't have given it to Chad, they shouldn't have given it to Chad, Chad McBoseman just because he died, because Anthony Hopkins is clearly the better act, the better performance. And there's a lot, and I mean a lot online of people saying those exact things. They shouldn't have given it to Chad McBoseman because he died, because Hopkins was the best performance by far. Now, I haven't seen The Father, so I can't comment. By far seems incredibly. Yeah, it- I mean, they literally. Wrong. There's lots and lots. Of, and I'm, I'm not under. I'm not like um, overblowing it. So many people are just saying how much better Hopkins was than Bozeman, and uh, as I say, I can't comment on that. I've heard that he's phenomenal. He, I mean, he's won the award, so he's got to be really great. Bozeman's performance was phenomenal. As I said, it's a career best from him. I think Riz Ahmed's performance was phenomenal as well. I, I think in a few other years Riz Ahmed would have had a really great shout too but how did you feel about it and do you, do you think Hopkins was a deserving winner as I say I haven't it's pretty much the only one I haven't seen now so in terms of performance I I'm okay with Anthony Hopkins winning I think for me anyone but Gary Oldman could have won and I would have been okay 
Um, the, the thing that I'm pissed off about is what I was talking about Oscar narratives earlier is that the producers of the Oscars decided to take to take a risk and basically decided to go for a moment that probably would have made like such a beautiful moment if Chadwick Boseman win, but they took a risk by mixing up the entire thing so people would expect that to happen to then it not to happen. And they basically dampened the rest of the night and then caused Anthony Hopkins to actually get shit for it because he didn't show up. The guy is in Wales. He's 83 years old. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to stay up until five o'clock in the fucking morning to accept an award. Yeah. Like, that's just not going to happen. So the one thing that pisses me off is people giving Anthony Hopkins shit, saying yeah. like, oh my God, like, so he takes the award away from Chadwick Boseman, but didn't even bother <laughs> to accept it. It's like, come on. Uh, this is the Oscars' fault. They yeah. they took a risk on that narrative, and while it would have been a very beautiful thing for Chadwick to win, I honestly thought he was going to win. Um, but like in terms of just if you're just breaking it down to the performances, I think there's four performances there that could have very easily won, and I would have been very happy with it. Um, I think again, it's been it's just been a really nice year for unpredictability and just a really strong year. Yeah, there's not there's not many times where I thought oh you know, four out of five of these people could win and I'll be happy. It's usually boiled down to like two people. Uh, but this year, honestly, I think if you watch The Father, I, I'd be sad now if people watch The Father and they get dampened by this whole controversial thing because Anthony Hopkins is really fantastic. You know, the last scene is absolutely heartbreaking. And he's mm. so good. Mm. Um, and in a way, he's created his own little narrative, hasn't he? I mean, winner yeah. at the age of 83 years old. He's the oldest winner of the acting award now. Something I was going to say as well, it's just like a weird little note. I, I feel like Wacky Phoenix came out to announce the, the winner for um, actor, right? I feel like he he was on something when he came on stage. I texted you about this, about how he came out and he was his usual Wacky Phoenix self, but he was fiddling with the um, like award. I don't know what you call it. Like the letter? Who has the, the winner? Envelope. envelope. Well, they weren't envelopes this year. It was like no. a piece of paper that was like folded over on itself that they like tape no it's weird anyway he came out and he started opening it on like the second nominee he basically peeked at the person who'd won like beforehand all right it was just a bit strange it was it, that the whole like the last 15 minutes was just really really weird because you had the really weird thing with glenn close to work in then nomadland one it was like okay francis madonna was doing a wolf howl call she had her really brief little speech and then you had a winner who was announced by a guy who was opening the ticket early and then the winner wasn't there. It was all just a bit, the ending was a bit of a, sh- and it's a shame because I think on the whole, the show was a lot more, a lot more, um, I don't want to necessarily say entertaining than your average show, but it flew by a lot quicker. Like it didn't drag. I wasn't getting bored. Um, and I thought it was a really interesting night. You had a lot of really mm. great winners. There wasn't too many surprise winners, which is, it's always nice when surprise uh, winners get in there but at the same time you do just want the best talent to win um no i don't really have anything else to add i think i know i didn't watch it but i mean i really only watch it for the results anyways nowadays i don't i've always found the show to be a bit bloated and i kind of i like watching it with people uh like you know when we watched it a few years ago and we had the little bet and stuff so I'm okay not watching it and just finding out the results afterwards. It's nice to hear about all the like the highlights and that. Um, but I think, like, if you want to hear like thoughts on any other films that we've 
watched that we loved we thought maybe we would want to be nominated you can you know we have other podcasts about like top 10 films top 10 scenes of um 2020 but overall i'm i'm pretty satisfied with the results i think mm. i think it's been a great year to be honest i think uh it's been interesting to go back and listen to the top 10 what we thought were the top 10 films of 2020 because almost none of those films got nominated um so few got nominated we didn't include minari because we hadn't seen it and judas and the black messiah and the father there was plenty of films that we just didn't include because we didn't see them i don't know if we'd include them now that might be an interesting discussion about whether or not we would change the list now but there was loads of films in there that i feel like would have been great to get some recognition but you can't change that now you know you and i often say about how uh favorite and best are two different things right you can have a favorite film that isn't necessarily the best film what would you say is your favorite and what would you say was the best of this oscar year i think luckily uh, what in terms of like what was nominated yeah in specifically the nominate nominees yeah what was your favorite and what was your what do you think is the best i think luckily mine do just kind of cross paths a little bit because i i think on equal level minari and Nomadland, they're mm. both there. I don't, I can't really choose. If I, if there was an edge, maybe that it'd be Nomadland, um, and a close third would be The Father. I think in terms of favorite, but um, no, I think I'm quite lucky in that. I think most people would agree that the, my favorite is also, you know, considered one of the best. I, I, I think, yeah, um, or the best because it won Best Picture. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what about you? Yeah, I think the only other. One I throw in contention for favorite for me was Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal resonated with me a lot more than I thought it would. Um, that's one of my favorites, if not my favorite. But the best is definitely either Nomadland or Minari. But like when you try and pick between those two films, you're literally, you could just flip a coin and be like, yeah, yeah. that one, because you're never going to be disappointed with it, each one you choose. Very true. Well, thanks very much for listening to this uh, recent episode of the Real Film Podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. You can find us on all the social medias at Real Reviewing. You can find me at Philson Wilson. Uh, you can find me at Cosp Jord. We're at realreviewing.com. And then if you want to find the podcast anywhere, we're on. you can go to anchor.realreviewing. But, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all your usual places. Um, we've got some really cool stuff coming up as well. If you haven't listened to already, we've started doing a uh, best Pixar film style tournament thing. Uh, the second part of that's coming up soon and we'll be wrapping that up. Uh, and we're also going to be doing our monthly challenge talking about 20s and 30s uh, horror films, which we've got some really cool stuff for that too. So I hope you listen to those and uh, hope to see you soon. Bye.